Let's see. Okay, so when when do you want me to start? Uh, I'll, uh, you'll know. Just give me a second, right? You'll know. All right. Are you recording now? Yeah, yeah, I'm recording. You'll know when to start. And welcome to the Split Screen Podcast episode 8. I've just had a nice spontaneous guitar introduction from Greg. That was, there you go. That was, that was very nice. I've, I've already told you I've got a bad cold, so if you hear a, a sipping slipping noise, that's because I'm trying to drown my sorrows with a lem sip. <laughs> oh, just like there. Uh, so I guess um, this week's talk was kind of inspired by the Games Media Awards. Um, we had the nominations for that, and um, you know, congratulations to anybody listening that uh, was nominated for that. Um, they're, they're dead to me. They're dead. They're dead to you. Yeah. Um, but I mean, apart from that, it kind of made me think about um, what what the, the games industry is actually about, um, especially you know, the games journalism industry. And I don't know if industry would necessarily be the word I'd want to use because it makes it sound like it's being you know crapped out in a factory by by child labourers who should who don't have a proper education. That's yeah. right. It's like you can get uh, you can get fair trade organic journalism, but uh, it's the sweatshop stuff that uh, you know people buy. Tesco, Tesco value journalism. Get paid paid by the word and how many stickers you stitch. It's like 50 percent of the facts, and it comes in a really bland package. But you know, for some people, that gets the news done, so it's happy enough. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. So I think also like industry journalism. Occasionally, you'll tell by the tone of the voice when to use speech marks around them. But on the whole, we're going to be positive. This could become a very negative little wine fest from two bitter, unloved yet you know. Surely, surely not. Surely not. We're we're some of the most optimistic people I know. But well, one thing that interests me, and I guess also kind of annoys me, but we'll we'll, we'll glance over that bit because we're being positive. Is that um, I have about five or six websites in my RSS feeds, um, and what happens is that say somebody announces a game. So I don't know, Borderlands Two is a good example, and um, so you get this thing from Kotaku saying, hey, Borderlands 2's been announced. And then you get Joystick saying, Borderlands 2's been announced. And then you get official Xbox magazine saying, guess what, guys? Borderlands 2's been announced. Um, and so this is where the games industry becomes a kind of PR thing and journalists become this primary point of contact between the, the publisher and the player. So in, instead of them you know, coming up with hard-hitting features the way, I don't know, a traditional newspaper journalist does, they kind of regurgitate press releases. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and it's, that made a lot more sense, I think, back when it was strictly magazines and these games would take so many months before they would come out and you would then, you know, the, the games rise, they would tend to be like like old British colonial ship sailors faring off to faraway land to bring back spices. So there would be a bit of lag, but, but they were your only portal to like, you know, to find out that stuff. And they only came out once a month as well. And, and so, I mean, I, I remember having like, I think the first magazines I got were like Mega Drive Advanced Gaming and things like that and then the official Sega magazine and so yeah. you know, they all kind of had their own exclusives but they all covered different things. But it would be a substantial offering that they would bring. I mean you could get a magazine and can sit down and have like a really good like you know afternoon there'd be a lot of considered pieces in yeah. there there'd be the a lot of time you could tell was taken into it whereas now it's kind of drip fed out um, 24 hours a day. Yeah, it's like instead of getting you know, a, a decent in-depth feature, you kind of get all these newslets that don't really tell you anything. Well, it's about trying to break up a feature over multiple days so that you can keep coming back, you know, or you break over multiple parts and then you can you know, have different ads on each page and all, that. all those tricks come into it, whereas you, know, you didn't need to deal with that too much before. Well, never, it never ends because you get the whole the first look, which is normally some guy writing up the, the teaser trailer that he saw. First of all, you get, you get the announcement that there's going to be a teaser trailer. 
So that's a teaser for the teaser trailer. Mm-hmm. Then you get the teaser trailer, which is teasing you that the full trailer is going to come out. And then generally around E3 or somewhere, you get the full-length trailer. And then you'll get a first look from a website or magazine, which is probably you know reviewing that trailer. Then you get a preview. Then you get a hands-on preview. And then you get a kind of final code preview. And then you get a review. And then you also get a multiplayer review later. So it's a post-post-review review. And then... The multiplayer review, you get silence. Just definitely silence. And then then it's the teaser for the DLC. The DLC. And then the teaser trailer for the DLC. I mean, Bioshock Infinite, they just did all of that. And it was insane where you had this website with just a countdown on it. And then it revealed a fake name. And then people fake get name? excited over the... They called it Project Icarus. I think that was their internal development name for it. And then uh, they revealed that Project Icarus was, in fact, the sequel to their most popular game. Crazy. And it was kind of a bit, you know... I think when you when you, when you, when you go so heavy on previews, you're kind of asking people to, um, you know, invest a little and maybe imagine what it's going to be like, and they might then get the wrong impression, you know? Yeah, well... Uh, Set yourself up for a fall kind of thing. I mean, that happened to me. I was like, really? Bioshock again? All right, fair enough. I mean, sure, it'll be good, but... You're getting unnecessarily excited? Yeah, a little bit. But, I mean, if you have something like, say, Skyrim, they did a teaser trailer for it, right? We just, uh, I forget, what is some old actor going, well, there are dragons in this land. There are Liam, lots it'll of be dragons. Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson's in everything now. <laughs> Liam Neeson was in Fallout 3? He was. He was in that, wasn't he? He was in Ponyo, which I watched yesterday as well. Uh, you've got to go outside the vaults who you have. <laughs> there's loads <laughs> of things to do, so there are. Yeah. I swear he's to God, a, there's loads like... He's the same bad father in everything he's in. Like, even like in Star Wars, he sort of fails with Obi-Wan a bit. Anyway, <laughs> Skyrim. <laughs> yeah, but with Skyrim, it's out in November, so I don't really care about a teaser trailer in April. I want yeah. to see one one gameplay trailer with a nice wee, you know, theme, theme music over the top, showing you some of the stuff, bit of CG, bit of live action, and then that's it. And then, you know, a preview, and that'll do me. Yeah, I mean, we don't have a problem with what the games company themselves are putting out. Like, I no. completely understand... And like, and you know, I will watch trailers for films and get excited. The Batman trailer came out, you know, that's fine. But I don't want to then, you know, you don't you don't have people analysing it frame by frame for weeks on end, and then there's like, you know, well, actually, you do have that, and it's terrible. They shouldn't do it, damn it. <laughs> well, as I said, I mean, the problem with this kind of journalism is that they've got the same information that we do and so I don't need somebody to talk me through frame yeah. by frame what happens in the Skyrim trailer that's the job of my eyes that's what they do they well, interpret even, visual information I don't need somebody to turn that into words yeah even then for, for Bioshock so this was all on the official website I mean there aren't these aren't coming like exclusive well, we'll get on to exclusive but they aren't distributing that kind of stuff out through the press anyway I mean they pass it on and then they just get a kind of repeat of it all. You know, it's more channels out there. But you can find everything that's in a magazine about a game or everything on a website on the official website for the game anyway. I guess the two questions are, you know, what's the what's the value of this kind of journalism, you know, if you can go to a publisher's website and and see what they're what they're saying, why does everybody else need to repeat that or even draw your attention to it? Why can't you just have a wee one line sentence saying, Hey, this is up now? Um, yeah, and, yeah, true. And, and secondly, like you know, is this stuff worth reporting? Because because you have all these gobbets of news every day, you get these really bland things. I think the one that really, the, the one that struck me as being particularly boring, if that's not a bit of a oxymoron, um, was whenever they they changed the weapon limit in the PC version of Duke Nukem Forever, which is one of the most boring things I can possibly imagine. It's like <laughs> they've up the they've up the number of weapons you can carry from two to four. Like, great, great. I don't own that game, so that's irrelevant. Yeah, I mean, that's a patch note. I mean, that that's just a patch note that's now then become 
a, a story, an article, a piece of journalism. It's, it's not journalism when it arrives in your inbox. Okay, no. I mean, there's, there's no, you know, there's news sections on all these sites, but it's not really news. Yeah, it's but that, just, that's the kind of thing where you might, if you if you actually say you actually owned a copy of Jignicum forever and you started yeah. it up, that's the kind of news you'd want to know then. But that's true, but like even like... <laughs> even then, it will, it will auto download. Like like that kind of stuff just happens. Um, it would be enough to just start playing it again. That says, "Hey, you've got two weapons yeah. now." <laughs> yeah, I think enjoy yourself. You turn on my three sixty, and I can find out like all the latest games that are out there. With yeah. the new DLC for Black Ops, I can see that in the game. I can buy it within the game and watch a trailer there, and it's going to be the same screenshots. Well, that's it. I mean, if you, if you play Black Ops every day, you've already seen that information. So yeah. why would you? Why, why would you need that? It's like whenever you're playing a game on Steam and you click on Team Fortress Two and it shows you the TF2 news. That's probably a good place to put that news, not yeah. smeared over every single website. And so maybe a better role for this kind of games news would be I don't know announcements for new things or unexpected things or you know, previews and interviews and that kind of thing mm-hmm. that, you know, a developer can't interview themselves. So so if you had, say, like, a feed where you had then the, the, the PRs for the various publishers, they would write their copy and it would just appear in this section of your site. You just go there. You're not rewriting it. I mean, because a lot of the times they're just changing, you know, they're putting a funny title on it. They're putting a couple puns on the images. But it's, you know, it's the same copy. They're just rewording it like they're, you know, 12-year-olds and doing a, you know, a book report or something. You, you can only say so much about the adventures of Piggy and Ralph and Lord of the Flies before everybody overlaps content. Okay, so the thing that gets me is that there's all these sites are kind of fulfilling the same role, or like they're fighting for the same role, which is to be your one-stop shop for all things games. And th- th- there's no difference really between them because they're all chasing the, yeah. the, the knee-jerk reactions. Well, the consequence of that is you get a total lack of personality. Uh, you know, you have yeah. all these kind of g- generic, bland warehouses stuffed stuffed full of news, but because there's no opinions in there, I mean, a good example of someone that doesn't do that is, like, say, Rock Paper Shotgun, who um, every did you see about this new Razer laptop they've come out with? Uh, no. Nope. Um, where they're competing, they're competing with Apple for the the world's most expensive laptop badge. So they've got this laptop called the Razer Blade. It's about twenty eight hundred dollars. It's really thin. And it's it's super powered, and so everybody's going, "Oh, here's this really cool Razer laptop." And uh, Rock Paper Shotgun were like, "Yeah, it costs about two and a half thousand pounds. Who's going to buy that?" Yeah. <laughs> but. It was nice that they had the kind of own original opinion on it. Um, but another another thing is now that as well as getting this um, carbon copy news release stuff, you get kind of carbon copy indignation. Um, like, for example, whenever um, Blizzard announced that Diablo 3 was going to be an online-only game, everybody got riled up about that. Like, this was somehow unexpected, even oh, though their, their last game, which yeah. is StarCraft 2, was online-only. And, and, and Diablo 2 it was a game I pretty much played exclusively online, so it may as well have been online-only. But I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if people, you know, felt like felt like they had to make a stand against it. Even though, you know, if somebody had said to me, <laughs> "What do you think is going to happen with this?" I'd have said it's probably going to be online only. Sorry, I'm still asking when you said when you said make a stand against it. Like it's something important. Like first of all, like it's something worthwhile talking about, and then it's something worthwhile getting upset about. It's like what's that? Don't break. Don't break the illusion <laughs> that it's not important. Otherwise, our podcast becomes even more meaningless. Well, no, no. But it's like what Com- company, com- business. Business makes business decision to make funds to continue operating. That's, that's all it is, you know. Oh, oh, really? The the company who uh, dominated the world with the largest pay monthly is trying to like in, you know find another revenue stream within one of their most popular games. Oh, shock horror! 
we've done all this. We did this when StarCraft Two came out, and it was just the one uh, race in the campaign. Yeah, we did all. It's the, it's the same complaining. It's a it's a different story, but it's the same complaining, same reactions. There's a short term memory where people can go, look, you basically wrote this and got angry at and upset yeah. about this a while ago. Whether it's that or whether it's the Call of Duty not having dedicated PC servers, and there's that. That, yeah, that, like, that steam is, it, is life really is right life really so short that we need that we need to worry about these things yeah but is that is that people genuinely getting upset I mean, I'm not saying people shouldn't be angry about it but or are they just getting angry about it because people are talking about it and it's that kind of weird snowball effect where I, think, I don't know just because everyone's talking about it people think it's worth talking about I mean, surely the kind of people like who are really hardcore PC gamers don't even care about Modern Warfare too. Yeah, well, that, that, that's, that's you know, there's, there's there's loads of games like you know, I don't know, Battlefield Two and the Bad Company Two and Counter Strike and Team Fortress that are far better than Call of Duty. Why would you Why would you concern yourself with that? You know, what what's the point in complaining against something yeah. that you're, you're never actually going to play? I guess because that's one of the things that we've not touched on is like trying to gauge what is the public consensus. On, on a matter and it's like well is this stuff that lives in the comments of all of these articles or is this something that lives in the uh, forums and all the kind of boards and stuff you've got those little communities going on or is it you know because you know you need to write like who are they writing for like when when you put something up saying that Diablo 3 is going to have like a you pay real money for hats or whatever yeah like for hats. What, what's what's the audience that they've got in mind like who's the, who are they trying to inform? Is it the guy who already knows who's angry about it, or is it the guy who's going to buy the game, or is it for people who've never heard of it? I don't know. I, that's a fair, that's a fair point. I don't know who that's aimed at. Because like to me, uh, like to me, it seems like it must be that really clued in, uh, self-identifying gamer, the person who follows this kind of stuff, who knows the difference between Kotaku and Gamma Sutra, you know? Yeah. So, you know, that's. I imagine that's not the the widest audience you could be reaching, but they must must be going for it for a reason. I, I, I don't know. Um, I can't think of a way to to bring this in, so I'm just going to ask you what do you what do you think of review embargoes? Uh, I understand them com- like completely. Like if you're like trying to do a marketing scheme, you want to have a sort of shock and awe. Um, you can't yeah. have a you can't have a really slow. Uh, intro- phased introduction of something because it's just not gonna it's gonna get lost in all of this noise. You want to create the impression where you you know you get off you, you come back from work you, the, on the side of the bus is the big poster for Dead Space Two and then you go on and you you go on your websites and it's all oh Dead Space Two reviews and you're more likely to go out and then you know pick up and buy it at some point so okay, I get that so so it makes sense from the point of view of the publisher um, but do you think it I mean do you think it's actually doing the readers a, a service. I mean, if you have something like, say, you've got a game like Duke Nukem Forever, which had a review embargo until the launch day, right? So a lot of people pre-ordered it or went out mm-hmm. and bought it on that day, not having read the reviews. Whereas mm-hmm. it was pretty clear that people were going to say, "This is actually a bit poop." Uh, yeah. So, th- so the first thing there, like the embargo was set, and like, what's the earliest at which you can talk about it? There's nothing in the rules that says you can't put up a review a week after. Yeah. But people say, "Oh, it's late." Well, they go, well, maybe this guy's got a w- one week more experience. He has, he'll, have, he'll have the first week when everyone was, like, disappointed with it. He'll have that experience to go on. And he can then maybe refer to that, God forbid. 
but you that's, know, that, rather than that, trying that, that's to silly, write that's silly a, to say you don't have to put it out immediately because if you want if you're a, a website and you want to you know get the largest possible audience it's the same thing like you know I, I think I reviewed Forza 3 about 18 months after it came out probably not very many people read it uh, so you know but we, we obviously aren't bothered with that kind of thing um, but yeah it's something well, worth bearing in mind that if we were if we were trying to make money off the site, not that we didn't try, we just tried it first and then realised we wouldn't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, if you're trying to sponsor make money the off podcast. it, you do need to get. You need to get. Uh, sorry, I just said so that you can sponsor the podcast by emailing. Oh yes, yes, you, you can sponsor the podcast if you want. <laughs> Even if you want to just give us food, if if Lemsip want to sponsor us and um, give me a big pack of Lemsips as the winter months roll in, <laughs> you know that'd be great. I'll be happy to tell you what my favourite lemon-based paracetamol drink is. No sweat, no sweat. <laughs> Lem sip. Damn, that's a tasty lemon drink. <laughs> that's a, that's a call, that's call back that, to the uh, smint. Damn, that's a minty sweet. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember the smints when it was particularly yeah, good. Um, I guess, again, it tie, our, our talk about embargoes ties into this this idea of the, the, the game journalist doing doing the marketing job. Well, I think like the, the embargoes, like, it breaks down into a kind of further where sometimes the games company will only deliver a press copy or a review copy a week before the embargo. So the journalist is kind of placed in that pressure zone of you've only got a week or two weeks to get through this. And a lot of these journalists will have multiple games to get through, multiple reviews to write, and these things can last 20 hours easily. See, the other one they do now is for something like um, the new Halo game or the Gears of War game is to send them all along to a hotel. You don't get a review copy. You get taken to a wee hotel and then you play through yeah. the game in its entirety um, you know, while, they, while the publisher leers over you mm-hmm. like a Cheshire cat and then you get to go and write your review before the embargo. Um, if you want to say whatever you want to say, I'm going to blow my nose with the microphone on okay. it. Um, cool. So just talk away. <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> that's okay, okay, that's fine. Um, and there's... Okay, if, if we were in the film industry that you'll have press screenings and that's fine but when you have these press events for games industry and they take them to a hotel and they'll put them up in the hotel for a weekend and they'll have all their meals taken care of and it'll be nice comfy couches nice big screens the optimum time to play it it is kind of getting closer to trying to get people to drink the kool-aid and and indoctrinate them a little bit because you're in this wonderful positive environment with this wonderful positive game with all these positive people saying positive things it's that, it's that kind of crowd mentality as well, where yeah. you know. I remember reading all the reviews for Bastion, which was the mm-hmm. one of the most recent games I did, and also I was interested because it was under embargo. So my review for Strategy Informer went out the same day as everyone else's. So how, how long did it, you have when you do like when you got assigned it to when it went up? Um, well, the problem was that I was quite busy with my day to day job, and you mm. know, life life got in the way. But I had about a week worth of playing it, and really, okay. you could have finished it in ten hours. So there was no struggle for me to finish it in that length right. of time. Okay. Um, so I didn't feel like I was really pressurized to do it. Um, it. That kind of thing made me think about what a kind of a reborn games journalism would look like. So if you go back to the days of where people weren't PR outlets and people weren't afraid to say what they said, and whenever you got like you know, a bad game got a bad mark. So all of those, like, you know, film tie-ins and things got absolutely slated because they were all these terrible side-scrolling platform games. Yeah. So, I mean, what if we were to if we were to be really pretentious, not that not that I've ever seen this done before, and come up with a, a games journalism manifesto, um, what kind of things oh, would you include? Oh, can we, can we you talk... You've forgotten can we, about that, hadn't you? No, no. Had you, we, had you forgotten about that? No, can we talk briefly about manifestos, right? 
pe- people need to stop writing manifestos first of all because it's one of the things like you've got we've, we've been talking about sort of the, the the major outlets for games but i tend to read my rss feeds tend to be smaller blogs that i i read it yeah and um if you, there's a site uh, critical distance and that tends to have the slightly more critical thoughts and i think that's that's certainly something that we would like to see more of i think we both yeah, enjoy oh, that absolutely especially but, if, if especially if they feature us yep but there's a danger there where sometimes they then go into this manifesto academic language where they end up saying a lot thousands of words just thousands of words that say absolutely nothing or they just end up restating the the same you know pompous question that they asked at the beginning just in a slightly different form Remember, because we actually sat and tried to read through one, and I was we were just getting so confused. Oh, it was word soup. I hated it. Uh, I my brain switched off after the first paragraph. What was it? What was the site? Was it Action Button? Was that it? I think and so, and yeah. there's this thing with up saying, "Oh, here's Action Button are back," and they've they've written this manifesto, and uh, and it was all these well, terrible. It was all these terrible things they said, like, um, "Oh, you know, we need to." It was kind of like, "You know, let's let's kick out the sixteen-year-olds." And mm-hmm. you know, let's let, let's leave it only for only for the professionals. You know, let's let's stop having like say user reviews and game FAQs that was deemed yeah, unacceptable. And, and, and all, I could, all... all I could think was, who who is to say um, whether a sixteen-year-old is better than you at writing or not? Because whether mm-hmm. or not you receive financial incentives to write your reviews has absolutely yeah. nothing to do with the quality of your content. I mean, since I started doing freelance writing for Strategy Informer, yes, I write more frequently. And mm-hmm. I guess that you know improves the quality of the writing, but it's not that there's been a dramatic peak. Or if I write something for split screen and don't get paid for it, it doesn't mean it suddenly becomes worse. No, exactly. It's, it's um, it was just full of all these odd caveats, and the problem is that they'll set out all these fanciful guidelines and then just not follow them. Yeah, they'll just have like the most inane, inane banter uh, that just goes on and on and on. Sorry, but that's that was just a. Uh, you know, that's because that's that that kind of stuff is what I would like to do. I'd like to see that critical thought. We'll, we'll touch on this, I guess, when we talk about some of our favourite pieces of writing. Yeah. But you know, well, I, th- I think we kind of touched on it earlier as well. <laughs> We're touching everywhere, forward and back. But <laughs> right, and less you, of that. <laughs> if, like the first first rule, right? First rule: know your audience. And I don't think people really know who it is they've got in mind when they're writing. And I, I don't know who our audience is. I think it's mostly my friends and parents. Well, I think we're starting. We're starting to see. We we know the stuff that sort of um, gets passed around on Twitter. Like for my like the the, the graphy stuff that I've done. Mainly, the people who have at least contacted have been other writers and then people in games development. It's not been people who are wanting to know. To, to, it's not people who just want to play the games. You know. Yeah. It's I'm sort of I'm writing for the sort of audience who, for either write themselves and therefore must like reading it, even if it's reading their own stuff. Yeah. You know that's kind of who I who I write for. A lot of the time. I think a lot of my stuff, I've, I've kind of got two different types where I write stuff for people who have never played any games before. Um, you know, like the one about games to convert your girlfriend and games with friends and things. So it's trying to de-nerdify it a bit. Yeah, and that's what, uh, that's what we used to the do. the games journalism kettle. Mm-hmm. And like, that's what we used to do when we used to write for the student newspaper. Yeah, well, we were, that, we were that's because we knew what the audience was. We were writing for university students. We knew that they would, first of all, they would pick up the paper and they'd maybe have it in their hands for about five or ten minutes and then they would just toss it back on the desk. So you can, you know, so if you had a point, you make it quick. Yeah. And then for the vast majority, it was people who were just flicking through, who weren't interested in games at all. So that was then the, you know, yeah, the, the three holy words of make it accessible, entertaining and informative. 
Yeah, they, 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 uh, not, not that we've written any manifestos before, apart from that one that I wrote for the student. But that was different. That was different. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was just a general style guide writing. Okay, guide. well, since, since we've uh, decided not to write any manifestos, what would mm. you put in your manifesto that you're not going to write? Oh, uh, uh, just because everyone's talking about it doesn't mean it's worth talking about. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, I, I think I, I think my, my first one would be uh, you know be be critical. Don't be a fanboy or a sycophant. You know don't mm-hmm. don't write as if you're trying to get a job from that developer. And and don't just think about what it's like now. Think about you know what you're going to feel like a year from now. Yeah. You kind of need to you kind of need to go drill through the hype. Another thing to do. It's fun to write. We like it. We like to think of ourselves as skillful writers. Sometimes that gets in the way, where people oh, have yeah. these beautiful constructs set up where they're going to take you on a fantastic journey, and on that journey, they're also going to tell you whether or not Duke Nukem Forever is any good. Yeah. Like, there was this one on, on Kill Screen where this guy... And I, I heard someone refer to it as, like, the Hunter S. Thompson of video game reviews, which, if that, you know, doesn't make you vomit, then... Uh, yeah. I, I feel a little sick, but that, well, that might be that might be a reflux from the again, lipstick. It, again, not that thou- I can slag off was, our sponsors, <laughs> but it could well be that. It was a thousand words high school story slash analogy. Oh, I hate the and, ones where they tell you their life history. There was one yeah. time I met this girl and she was so beautiful and she was just like Halo. No, no, <laughs> stop what you're doing. <laughs> so, and, and like, I admit, like, you sit down and like, you can write that and it'll be fun to write and you'll be proud. But then you go, this doesn't really serve the purpose where it's just a lot of fancy writing, again, that says nothing at all. And then we've, and we can spot the tricks. Like, we, we can see it coming up. Like, the first paragraph will have We'll set this. We'll set the theme. Like you saw your Bastion review. Yeah. Like on your Bastion review in the game Bastion, there's a narrator throughout, and he has a, a southern simpleton kind of lilting speech. He's Is not, that right? He's not. He's not a simpleton, but he, do, he he's got a kind of southern drawl to him. He's like he's like he's like uh, he's like the old guy in Song of the South telling you telling you a story, like that, that kind of thing. So um, what 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 would he say? Like a little. Oh, he'd be something like, "Oh, the kid woke up and the whole world was gone and." He just moved on with Adam or something like that. No, no, we knew, <laughs> we knew that like that was going to get used by people. That was going to become a device yeah. in their reviews. And you, you quite wisely, and I remember you telling me that you didn't do it. No, I, I, and could, then, I could, I could smell that coming a mile off. And then you, if you go like pick a random Bastion review, like whether it's you know it'll be oh, it'll be yeah. in the text. I'm not, you know, it's fair enough. You can you can, you can throw stuff into the, your your subheader, or you can throw you know your captions, whatever. You know that's 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 a free for all. But in the actual <laughs> copy, like like precious words, are getting squandered on it. And I think I guess it's probably because they, they aren't printing on paper. No, We're like we agonised for ages trying to get the word count down to get the stuff to fit on the sheet. Oh, that reminds me of the one I did. Uh, I wrote a review for the Lost Game via Domus. It was eight hundred words, and oh, God. it was like, oh uh, right, you know, eight hundred word you wrote. Um, it's now got to be four hundred. And yeah, eight hundred words is a lot. That was, the, that was some of the that was some of the best writing I ever did when I only had like four paragraphs to describe the game, and yeah. then went down from four hundred to three hundred, and uh, and every every joke had to have a point. It's it's there's no point making a joke if it doesn't tell you something in, insightful. That's that's yeah. like, that's totally wasted space. That's it. It's only funny if it's true. Yeah, because sometimes I'll, I'll come up like, oh, here's a really good joke to make at the start of a uh, start of a game review, but then you think, well, what's that got to do mm-hmm. with anything? Yeah, in the yeah. same way, you, you can't just rule out a silly simile if it doesn't actually elucidate yeah. what what you're trying to describe. And I think we've gone over. You know, we, w- once you realise that this is the habit, 
and you can't you maybe you're using it a bit too much i think i know i've done it like in the costume quest review i did where i kind of pointed it out that you some people will just pick all the little uh, they'll, they'll do a little wordplay on the game and so the game in costume quest you dress up so uh-huh. it's like, oh, it's a it's a mediocre game, thinly disguised as something more. Or, you know, it's like trick or treat, more like trick or catastrophe. <laughs> more or, like know, trick some, or crap. Yeah, Oops. like you know, turn <laughs> turn the lights off and pretend you're not in. And like you know, but you know, oh, that's the kind of stuff. And it's like, well, you wouldn't do that if you were if you were like an art critic. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, like, to, to be fair, if you're reviewing a painting, there's not as much to riff on, is there? <laughs> I'm, I'm sure they could go, man. I'm sure they could go for words and words. Just, just hold themselves in, yeah. So I think I think I made a point in there somewhere. McDonald's, <laughs> I'm loathing it. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> so since we've discussed some of our pet peeves, what other ones do you have? Oh, uh, there's there's the second to last paragraph. You know, I mean, because you know what I mean by the second to last paragraph, right? Do you mean the the obligatory negative paragraph? There we go. That's the problem. I think. Some people they they feel that if the if a game is good you can't say anything bad about it without it sounding like it's a bad game. Yeah, you know. Yeah, well, uh, there was something um, I read something Kieran Gillen said on Twitter, which is he said um, the amount of negative stuff you say in the review should be proportional to the score you've given the game. Really? Which is perhaps a bit analytic, but it's a good point. That oh, really? oh give... I, I disagree completely with that. Well, I, I I disagree too, but I can see where he's coming from. He yeah. said, "Don't don't slag something off for seven or eight paragraphs, and then say, oh, you know, well, all that aside, it's really good.'" Yeah, that's. I mean, that's true. Again, if it's, you it's, it's but if you like, say you spend the whole time on, uh, say it's something like Deus Ex, and you really really enjoyed it, and you really thought that the the boss fights in it, which seem to be quite controversial, you know, really really ruined the game. You shouldn't spend half the review harping on about that. If you then mm-hmm. came to the conclusion it was really good. I think that's what he's trying to say. You know, don't write a negative review and then say, "Oh, but it's still really good," because you've done a disservice to that. Right. Well, well, sometimes. Okay, I, I, I see that. But sometimes you'll get, and it's the phrase "niggles aside" will come up in some variation. Niggles aside, or it, you know, that being said, and then it will just jump, and you'll get. To me, like that paragraph should be the sort of review because I think you could, you know, a lot of times that it'll be concentrated and you won't have all the waffle around it. Yeah. But there's certain things where. If it's such a small niggle and it doesn't affect the game overall, don't, don't mention it. Yeah. That's well, the other thing. People try and cover all the bases. You don't need to. My my other manifesto thing, pick one or two ideas about the game and write about that. Don't worry about trying to cover everything. If you don't talk about multiplayer, then it wasn't worth talking about. Well, my, my latest one was the Insanely Twisted Shadow Planet one. And mm. one thing I didn't do was really mention anything negative about it because I didn't really think there was anything negative about it. And mm-hmm. the fact that I gave it whatever arbitrary score it was, an 8.5 or a 9, that tells you that I thought it was really good. But obviously it, it wasn't you know transcendent. It didn't make me want to convert to the religion of the aliens. But apart from that, it was still really good. And I don't think much more needs to be said than that. Um, I mean, likewise, I didn't actually cover the multiplayer, so to me, it was a bit extraneous. It's one of these, it's like one of these Xbox Live guidelines where thou, thou shalt have leaderboards and thou shalt have achievements, where it doesn't really matter that much. Um, one thing I really, really hate um, is, apart from the use of the phrase "words cannot describe," which every time I read that, I think, <laughs> "No, words can't describe it. You're just too stupid to think of them." Oh yeah. Um, oh, the other yeah. thing is, uh, <laughs> just just buy this game. Yeah, just do, just, do just yourself a favor. <laughs> do yourself a favor. Like, you know, just just buy this. Like, if that's what you're saying, just just print that phrase. Just buy it. Yeah. yeah. If you fully advocate why, 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 why mince words? <laughs> Nobody wants to eat a plate of word mince. You want a bit of word sauce there as well. No, don't, don't, don't mince your words. 
That was, that was like one of those yeah. really bad, one of those really bad <laughs> analogies that I make that actually, if you break it apart, it makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would quite happily consume that, but it might make a reappearance. I don't know if it's sitting well with me. <laughs> I think, think we've salvaged that. Moving on. <laughs> it's, no, it's no different to a word burger, really. It just, uh, it's, not as, uh, it's not as well held together. <laughs> um, the, the one I really hate is the section review, which is the one where they go, right, the fir- it's the first paragraph, so I better mm. make a joke. Okay, second paragraph, onto the story. What's the story? What's the plot? And then you, you, say, play as. Yeah, <laughs> you play you, as. You play as a, a young barber <laughs> that uh, finds himself questioning his existence. It gets transported into a two dimensional side scrolling shoot 'em up game. <laughs> barber Wars is an. <laughs> it's a bit like Galaga, only you're playing with a mushroom instead of a controller. Yeah. You, you must draw comparisons to everything else. Then you get, right, enough, enough talk about the, the story. What does it look like? Next paragraph. Mm. What is the music like? Next paragraph. What is the gameplay, which I'm doing in inverted commas, like? And uh, then the next paragraph. But what's wrong with the game? In the last paragraph. Should you buy it? But you've already read the score <laughs> at the top, so that paragraph's totally pointless. Make a quick pun, and then away you go. <laughs> oh, all right. Puns. All right. People don't understand what a pun is. It's when one word sounds similar to another word, and then the humour comes up in... The, the ambiguity of what someone said. But when you write it down, it's no longer a pun. It's just a bad bit of wordplay. And the vast majority of the stuff out there, again, you see it on the 360, those two smirking idiots uh, tend to have like, the, the really no, cheesy no, ones as well. No, no. They might be, they might be smirking and they, they might be idiots, <laughs> but I'm also sure that they're nice. <laughs> I'm sure. Okay. Well, the guy who writes the lines under it. Where okay. it'll be like I, don't portal- they, I don't know if they do all the writing. I hope when they just por- do the delivery. All right. Well, when Portal 2 came out, there was a headline I saw a couple of places, Portal Combat. Now, that doesn't um, actually make any sense. No, since Portal's a, no- a non-combat game. But they're trying to pun off of Mortal Kombat. That's Why? Who knows? But it was there, and people do it. Rock, Paper, Shotgun do that as well. And uh, the main reason why I can't, I can't read their stuff. So yeah, Eurogamer did for every single one of their like reviews or previews. I don't know who does them, but they are excellent. It's really excellent well, wordplay. Comes though, out of like nowhere. A broadside me every time. We do it. We do it on our site. It tends to be in the subheader. So like like Super Meat Boy, you had a really good one where you said "Well done." Yeah, that's well, very that's, clever. Th- yeah, and well, that's that's, that's we, the we, time to get that pun out of your system. <laughs> and we, we've committed like. Horrible, horrible crimes. Like when we were at the student newspaper. Do you remember the Prince of Persia one? Um, yes. So like, so the headline yes. was "Fresh Prince of Persia." All right, okay, tenuous, tenuous. But we can bring it back with a subheader. Yeah, which is I think it said, um, and was it in Mesopotamia, born and raised, Alan never fails at the games that he plays. There we go. Which is possibly now, my favourite subheader of all time. <laughs> it was just I, I really enjoyed that. I don't care if nobody else did. I really don't care. <laughs> Now, at no point does the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air actually come into anything to do with the game. But the joke was there and we, we went for it. But we've learned and we're, we're, I'd like to think we're a bit more dignified now. A little yeah. bit more refined in but our some, punning. Sometimes it's just all about the joke. You know, the, oh no wait, that, that's something we said never do. Oh, Craig's gone offline. Oh dear me. Call's ended. Yeah, so we've we we've done terrible puns, but we're we're more refined now. We've learned from it. Sometimes the ends just sometimes the ends justify the means. Sometimes you have to do a little bit of evil to do a lot of good. Yep, those are phrases. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> those are those are words of value. <laughs> 
No, nobody, nobody knows the, the in-joke where every time we set up a new article on split screen, um, there's always a placeholder and all it ever says is, these are words of value. And then sometimes the words of value come, sometimes they don't. So speaking of words of value, uh, what are your most valued pieces of writing? All right, so three came to mind. Um, one of them is like a little video which I'll embed into the, the blog post. Uh, and it was Ryan McLeod, who's the, one of the guys from Video Guide slash Consulting, mm-hmm. and he did this fantastic take on hype, which is something that we spoke briefly of in the whole preview cycle and how people work themselves up into a tizzy. And it was it's just fantastic. You know, he you know, he says who's to blame and it's everyone and us. But mainly <laughs> us. Um another really one really good one I enjoyed was Sean Malloy. Uh it was an essay he wrote. It was on one up, but I think it might have been for EGM or GFW or something. And it was on The Sims. And this was like the the essay writing that I do enjoy. Um, where he was writing about his first uh, kind of serious relationship, or as a sort of coming-of-age sexuality relationship type story. Very short, though. Like, you know, 500 words, if that. And Well, how long does it need to be to get your yeah, point across? But it, had, it, had this nice, it used The Sims in a very nice way, where it wasn't like, and the game is what got me through it. It was, it was just very subtly and quite, like, I, don't, I want to say realistically done. Because when some people write about it in these essays, like, say, you know, walking down the aisle to one of the themes to Final Fantasy. It's, it seems a bit contrived. It seems a, it seems a bit forced yeah. and a little bit like you're trying to make games to be something more than they are, which is a good, you know, they're a good thing, but they're not the best thing. I guarantee ever, I will you know? not be walking down the aisle to one of the, the themes from Final Fantasy. Just yeah. because I know I wouldn't be allowed, and secondly, because I wouldn't want to, even if I was allowed. You know, <laughs> Some things are just more important than that music. <laughs> the third bit that I really, the third piece that I enjoyed, it was a guy called Jason Four writing about the game's developer, Jason Roher, who did the Passage game, which is a favourite of ours. Oh, everybody, um, everybody likes a, a good Passage. But this was a piece he wrote, it was either for The New Yorker or Esquire, I forget. And it's quite a long uh, interview. Um, but he went and spent three or four days. And it helped just because this this chap, Jason Rohr, is a, is a fantastically interesting guy. Um, and it was, just, it was just wonderfully written. And you'll enjoy it more than I've described it. <laughs> <laughs> I realise I haven't actually read it in about three years. But <laughs> that's, a, that's, an iron, that's an ironclad guarantee that you will but, enjoy yourself. Yeah. Um, uh, well, the, the problem was that um, I didn't prepare anything um, before the podcast. I didn't <laughs> I, actually, I read I didn't actually think ago. of any. I just kind of put a blank heading. I was like, right, yeah, think of something. Um, I I do actually really enjoy Rock, Paper, Shotgun. I think it's probably the best game set mm-hmm. out there in terms of writing, where they don't bother doing reviews. They have like a wee, like a very much opinionated piece called What I Think, yeah. where they just talk about stuff like that they do really good feature articles um and i really i really like everything kieran gillen does just in general um it's really it really saddens me that he, he spends most of his time writing comic books now um but um i think is some of his favorite pieces where he did a review of left for dead and all he did was just talk about all the experiences he had for about two pages and he went right there you go that's left for dead that's why it's good and yeah, well, it actually did summed it up perfectly because he was talking about how every encounter was different and uh, the, that was perfect but my favorite one of his where he reviewed a he reviewed a furniture pack for the sims 2 mm-hmm. and he said um it was like christmas fun stuff he said look all of these items are available for free if you go to the website and download them. And he gave it a score of like zero. And he said, um, if you can't think of a better use for £10 than this, please give it to me because I know I will. 
Um, I also quite like um, you, you introduced me to the, the, the spoof Twitter accounts. They're always quite good for a laugh. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. um, like Peter Peter Molyneux. Yeah, so um, P- Peter Molyneux, uh, take on Peter Molyneux. 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 Molyneux and, yeah. But he just pitches, pitches these fantastic game concepts, which are so close to being reality, it's kind of scary. So I've got, like, I wrote, like, the one I remember is, uh, is, is a game where you must hold onto your mother's hand. Let go for more than X seconds, and it's game over. <laughs> like and it. if that isn't, like, the modern video game, where you walk the line, and if you don't walk the line, we'll make you walk the line again. You know? I've just fired up uh, my Twitter client to see if there's any good ones. There's, there's one from uh, today saying, You have one bullet. Once fired, it enters slow motion and can take hours to reach its target. Things you do from then on affect its direction. <laughs> And somebody else has replied and said, what if you couldn't change its direction but had to convince your target to stand on its path at the right time? (laughs) Have you got got a treat for me at the end of this podcast? Have you got some surprise you're going to spring? Uh, I guess I wrote that in the doc, but I don't remember what it is, so maybe that's the surprise. Well, and it just it just ends. I have a thing here saying games journalism puzzle, perhaps the biggest puzzle. Is, oh, uh, oh what, yes, what I remember now. Say? Okay. Do you know what? Do you know what the uh, games journalism is a perfect anagram for? No. Urinal logjam. Is that is that meant to be poignant? <laughs> I think I think if I think if we say it again, it might be poignant. Urinal logjam. I, no. <laughs> you know what? I'm I'm stunned. I can't think of anything to say, funny or otherwise. So, I think uh, I think my bag of eclairs is calling, and also uh, obviously another couple of Lemsip. This podcast was brought to you in association with Lemsip. Um, damn, that's a lemony drink. <laughs> <laughs>